Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chappett, along with Artemis Brower. And Artie, this is episode 60 of the Boneyard Podcast. How you feeling? Six-zero. How you feeling, man? Six-zero. Feeling good. Feeling real good, man. I'm happy to be here. As he cracks a cold one. Oh, you didn't crack one for the interview. You cracked one for this one, though. Oh, I like oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, he's got, oh, he's double fisting. Oh. And. In between this and our next interview, I'm gonna go get another one because I'm gonna finish he's, these two. He's double clutching. Minutes. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go get me one too. I gotta, I gotta go get me a nice little cold drink, cold beverage. It's 7:57 on the East Coast, so. But Artie, this is this beer here is to celebrate making it to the next step. We're not, we're not gonna, we're not popping champagne. I'm drinking a Bud Light. We're making it to the next step, Artie, Artemis. <laughs> we're making it to the next step this is true we got we still have we still have more steps to take we got two more right. steps to take right next one is to get to omaha and then the one after that is to win the whole damn thing yeah, we've been trying to crack that omaha code for a long time but we got for the team a to long do it. time we got the team to do it we do have the team to do it we're going to talk about that team today on the boneyard podcast as you prepare to watch your East Carolina University Pirates take on the Vanderbilt Commodores mm-hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Artie, I'd be remiss if, if we didn't if we started this great episode off by not giving you a player that wore number sixty. And I'm feeling a little chilly. Feel a little, feeling chilly. A little chilly. Feel a little chilly. I'm going JT Snow. You know who that is? Ooh, I've heard the name. But I don't remember who he played for or what sport. But I heard the name. MLB. He he wore number 60 for a year. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe he was like an 11 and a half war player over his career, which, I mean, that's your – I mean, that's not great, but it's not bad either. <laughs> um, most known for his time with the San Francisco Giants, had a 16-year career, over 1,500 hits, over 180 home runs. But, yeah. Mr. J.T. Snow, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. He's not actually joining us, but now he's been named on the Boneyard Podcast. Artie, we we got to have some other players that wore 60, though. There, there are, are. There are. Dallas Keuchel. Hold on. Ah, I, I got you. I got former you. Chicago White Sox and former Atlanta Brave. Or no, I'm going I'm 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 to I'm I'm throw a classic at you. The millennials will not know this, so our, our generation is not going to know the name I'm about to say. But if you are a football fan and you know football, you know the name Otto Graham. I was about to say Otto Graham. Otto Graham, a Hall of Fame quarterback. 60. Yeah, as a quarterback, one number 60. So there you go. That's a lot of numbers on that jersey there, son. <laughs> but one of the all-time greats. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. You know, just, just maintaining, living life, happy that uh, – we're starting to kind of get out of this whole pandemic surge and things are starting to relax a little bit. People are living their lives. People are going out. People are having a good time, starting to plan vacations again, starting to see people again. So hell yeah, they it's are. A, it's a good time to be alive. And we, we, it was a really good time to be alive this past weekend uh, in Clark LeClaire stadium with 5,000 strong screaming pirates 
Oh yeah. Cheering on the boys to victory. Yeah. I mean, what we we weren't we weren't at the games, and we're not going to be there this weekend. Right. Um, but, Artie, watching those games on ESPN, seeing the crowd, hearing the crowd, and this is something we're going to talk about. We've already talked to our our good friend, friend of the podcast, Corey Glore. He's going to be coming on here in a little bit. We've already talked to him. We talked about uh, that kind of crowd pop, that that uh, visceral, like just emotion. Just, just you know, we haven't had it in over a year, right? And just to be able to have five thousand plus at full throat in Clark Leclerc to cheer on a team that's about to win their region. I mean, that's Gills. Yeah. That, that, that's one of the ones that I I never heard before. <laughs> and now I've heard it, and now I can't get that like thought. You, you can't stop saying it. I, like I think it's such a cool way to say it. Like choked at the gills. <laughs> God, I just love that. Jeez, Artie, if you can't tell, I am so fired up for this podcast. I am so fired up. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready. Podcast. I know the boys are ready for Vandy. The fans are ready for Vandy. Um, and I'm and I'm very proud of how we executed and handled ourselves in that regional. Um, did not lose a game. The boys have been so, tested too. They've been yeah. tested. Yeah. And I, I think I think you couldn't have asked for a better response for a better regional weekend if you're an ECU fan, which we all are. No, they went perfect. <laughs> I mean you you getting I mean, going through some adversity, coming back from being down against Charlotte, then I mean having to fight off. I mean ha- I mean that honestly I hate to admit it, but I I almost overlooked Norfolk State. That was a that was they a, gave us a game. That was a game. Those boys gave us a game. Once we, once we got their starter out of the out of the out of the rotation or got him out, then it then it started to open up. Hey, but, but look, that's 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 playoff baseball though. I mean, you, you're going to get your best shot from everybody. Once yeah. you make it to the dance, you're going to get your best shot from everybody. So I mean, that's that's to be expected. And then the next day, Norfolk State was unceremoniously evicted from the Greenville regional, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they got to be happy with the efforts though. Hey, they got to be happy about that. They're, they're first ever making it to a regional, their first ever in program history. So shout out. They Norfolk did, they did State, not embarrass themselves. The Spartans from Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, but Artie, this weekend stood out to me as, and you're seeing this all around sports and baseball. I mean, I think that I want to say, California just said that they can start having like up to 100% capacity at baseball games, which to me is insane considering like where California was just six just last ago. week. Yeah, like <laughs> just last week. So you're starting to see these things open back up and you're starting to see like we're not out of it yet, but we're out of it. You know, like we're right. out of mm-hmm. it. Like I, COVID to me, like. I'm I'm doing what I can, but COVID to me is a foregone conclusion. And oh, well, especially if you've gotten your shots. If you've gotten your shots, the CDC, you know, everybody's saying, "Hey, look, you got your shots, you're good. You go ahead and just live your life." So that's you know, we we are absolutely getting out and, of this thing, and and that's what I'm doing. That and that is what I'm doing. Um, Artie, some quick notes before we throw it over to our good friend, friend of the podcast, which. He said that he he was happy to be called a friend of the podcast. Yeah, I was I was happy to hear that too. I was absolutely that, that's happy not, to hear that. That's not something that like I mean we've we've talked to a lot of people on this thing, and 
that, that's the first time he he was like, wow, like I was, I was glad to see like y'all consider me a friend of the podcast. Yeah. Like, I mean, we consider a lot of people friends of the podcast, but Corey, you are a best friend of the podcast. And it, it makes the conversation better when you have people that genuinely like being on our show, on our podcast, when they really like talking to us, that just makes the conversation flow and it makes it so much better. It does. It does. But Artie, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want to talk a little bit about some news around ECU baseball. We're all, this is only ECU baseball talk today. Right. We're not talking. We're not considering anything. Right now, it's still baseball season. Mm-hmm. Until it's not, we're going to just talk baseball. Okay? This week, or over the last week, we've, we've seen some, uh, some honors come out. And, and it's really nice to start seeing some of these accolades pile up for some of these Pirate baseball players. I'm talking Connor Norby, Gavin Williams, Josh Moylan, Zach Agnos. We're talking All-American, All-American, Artie, which, which is a major feat as, as a college athlete. You know, I mean, you have Agnos and Moylan who were both named, both named, geez, this beer's already getting my tongue tied. <laughs> um, but you have these two guys who are named, I mean, freshman All-Americans, and then you have Gavin Williams. Named a first team All American, Connor Norby named a second team All American. This is what you want to see out of a program, mm-hmm. and we want to. We just want to congratulate them, Artie. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is what Cliff Godwin has built in his seven years at ECU. This is the kind of program that he has built. He's going to have first team All Americans. He's going to have second team All Americans. He's going to have guys that are doing it on the diamond, guys that are doing it in the classroom, stand up citizens, and if I can say anything, we have some thoroughbred racehorses within our program. And this is Stud well certified. deserved. Stud certified. This is well deserved. Put that on a t-shirt. Stud certified. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't be happier for him. It's not a shock. It's not a surprise. These guys have been doing it for the whole season. Um, and, and they've gotten their due diligence and they've gotten what they deserve. So just happy to see it. Yeah. Now also with this, in this past week, the Golden Spikes uh, semifinalists have been announced. And we've got two Pirates on that list. Two out of the 25 Golden Spikes semifinalists that have been announced are Pirates. And, and we're talking mm-hmm. Gavin Williams and we're talking Connor Norby. And, guys, I want you to go vote. We'll put, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. So click on the link and go vote for those guys. Vote for them to, be, to make it to the next step and hopefully win a Golden Spikes Award. I mean, that's – we're talking like the Heisman of college baseball. Right. And and they deserve it. I mean, Connor Norby, dude has been a – I'm going to go back to it. He's a certified stud. He is – I mean, has 15 home runs, hitting over 400 on the year. Like, I mean, he deserves it. Then you have Gavin Williams, who I don't think he's had a game where he struck out less than nine all season. So, I mean, these are guys that really deserve it. And, yeah, I, I hope y'all go vote for them. Yeah, and we haven't even mentioned Francisco, who is one of the best players on the team. I, I love his name, by the way, Thomas Francisco. That's like an Italian mob leader. I just – I don't know. I just like the name. <laughs> Thomas Francisco. I don't, I don't Sounds like he should be in The Godfather. I don't get Italian there. I, I, I can – No? 
You don't get Italian when you when you say Thomas Francisco. That's a Godfather all over it. Okay, we're we're not gonna go down this road. Um, what is it? What does it sound Polish to you or something? German? Already, my name is Polish. Jared Shaffit. Yeah, that that sounds Polish. Thomas Francisco. That's Italian, man. It, Come it, on now. It, it's sounds like it's from like Spain. That's some that's some baked ziti with some fresh parsley on it. Come on now. Parsley. Yeah. Give me some, some Italian basil. seasoning. Now, Artie, yeah. Fresh it, oregano. I mean, this team, it is, I mean, looking at it, this team is stacked. I mean, you can't deny it. This team is stacked. It's, it's one of the best, and we've said this all year, it's one of the best teams that ECU's fielded ever. And we've had some phenomenal teams in the past. Phenomenal teams. Yeah. And – you know, if, if we're going to get over the hump, this is our 31st appearance in a in, in a real. We've had 31 regionals, going to our you know another super regional. If we're going to do it, you know, this would be a team to absolutely get it to Omaha. And and as a fan that I mean, as someone that's been a fan of, of ECU for quite a while now, it's I I feel different this year. Like something just feels different in my gut. Right. In my heart, in my head, something feels different. Like I'm, I'm not afraid to say that it feels mm-hmm. different. Then, no, look, we got to, we got to, we got to put it together too. I mean, we're, we're playing oh, yeah. Vandy. We are playing Vandy, so Most I mean, definitely. we definitely yes. got to put it together. But yes. uh, you're right. This team but, feels different. Like something about going into this super regional. Like before, before I've been uh, nervous going into super regionals. I've been nervous going into regionals. But like this, this series, I'm not nervous. Like, right. And I don't think after our conversation with with Corey, I don't I don't think the boys are nervous either. I don't think anybody's nervous. Everybody is confident. All the pirates, the the pirates that sold out their allotment that are going to Nashville, going down and seeing ECU take on Vanderbilt. They're all confident, right? Everybody is confident, and it is a it's a one of those things that we all feel that there's a chip on our shoulder, and I think that's going to play big for ECU in in this series this weekend. And I, you know, I had a, I had a coach tell me this one time: it's one thing to feel like you belong; it's another thing to know you belong. This team knows they belong with anybody. Anywhere, anytime. So that's a good quote, Artie. That's, that's a, a coach. Quote. That's 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 Coach Thompson right there. Shout that, out, Coach Thompson. Jeez, man, that should have been your quote for. <laughs> yeah, it should have been. That's a good one, ain't it? That's a good one. You, God bless, man. That <laughs> gave me some chills. Somebody, shout, somebody, out, shout out, Coach Thompson. Somebody send that one to Godwin. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we gotta put that on the shirt. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put that on the back of the shirt that says "Certified Stud" on the front. And uh, <laughs> we are we are gonna be putting together shirts eventually. We just need somebody to help us design them. Right. I know, I can't do it. Like I am, I I just I cannot do that. I know a guy that knows a guy. I might be able to hook us up. Already knows. He probably lives in Tinley Park. Probably. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, Artie, I say th- this – you're not going to hear just us talk on this podcast. We we haven't even mentioned – we have a second guest. Or, actually, 
two other guests coming on. They're coming on together. We've got the door report. So as in Commodore report. Mm-hmm. So it's a podcast like ours. You know what stood out to me on their on their podcast? What's up? Their podcast bio on Twitter says the premier podcast of Vanderbilt sports. I saw that. I and saw I like, that. When I, I saw, did see that. When I saw that, that's what, once I saw that, I was like, I've got to hit them up. <laughs> a and lot I, like us. And, a lot like us. They've they've got they've got a few more followers. I think they got like eighteen hundred followers to our like thirteen hundred. I think they've but, also been around a little bit longer than we have. Yeah, a but, lot like us. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have those guys on here in a little bit. Um, we, we haven't even talked to them yet, but you're going to hear a lot from Corey. You're going to hear a lot from them. We're going to talk ECU Vanderbilt. Um, there, there's really not much else that we can cover. ECU swept their regional, mm-hmm. defeating all three teams that they had to play in um, Norfolk State, Charlotte, and Maryland. It, it was a good regional. It was. And, yeah, so let, let's go ahead and send it over to Corey, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. All right, Artie? Let's do it. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Mr. Corey Glore, play-by-play voice of your East Carolina University Pirate Baseball. So this week, uh, in preparation for the Super Regional down in Nashville, Tennessee, we, uh, we have a, now a two-time guest coming on the podcast he, he's coming back he he's not a we didn't scare him away the first time it's the ecu baseball play-by-play voice mr Corey glore Corey, how you doing man i'm doing well i'm honored to be called friend of the pod like you like i was earlier this is my second time and i feel honored that i'm already such a kind friend to you yeah yeah you i mean we 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 try to call all of our guests friends some of them aren't friends but you you are a true, true friend of the podcast um I mean, we did offer Mike Golick an internship one time, and he 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 uh, declined. But Scared him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we told him we were like, we can't we can't pay you much, but right. Hey, Say so he wanted to test the waters or something like that. Here, here's the opportunity. This was shortly after he uh, was let go by ESPN, so we we knew he he was looking for something. I mean, pandemic and everything, you know. Um, but Corey, this past weekend was electric in Greenville. Tell me, what was the vibe like from your from your point of view in the press box? Tell me, kind of what you saw looking down at Clark LeClaire Stadium and, and out at the five thousand plus fans uh, out in the jungle throughout Clark LeClaire. There were a few moments where it was harder for me to focus, uh, especially Saturday night and then Sunday night when that place was filled and it was rowdy and those games were crazy, where you know, it's been so long since I've seen a crowd like that in person. And then it, it you know, Friday was even pretty full on that afternoon game. Um, but those last two games, it, it, there were a couple moments where even I had to stop and pause a little bit, and just kind of soak that in. Uh, you know, there were a couple times where I went silent, especially late in some of those contests because the crowd was just telling you what you needed to know. I didn't need to add anything. And that's, you know, it, it was at time like I, I left that Saturday game, the Charlotte game, and I just kind of sat there in the booth for a little while, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like it, you know, even 2019, that regional, you know, that's the last time it's been like that in that building. And so to have 
to have those environments back and to have those games go the way they did where every single moment of all three of them were really tense. Um, there's nothing quite like that. And yeah, there were a few times where I was really, uh, really kind of taken aback by it. Yeah. It, and that, that was the one thing I, cause I mean, we saw on Twitter, we, I mean, we, everybody was talking about how kind of the, how the crowd kind of exploded after EC tied it up and then took the lead on Saturday night uh, against Charlotte. Um, that, I mean, a, as a broadcaster, that has to be like a, I don't know. I, I would get, I feel like I would get chills. I, I don't know if I would be able to do my job. Um, you, you seem to do a pretty good job of it uh, in the moment. I, there was in the, uh, in the Charlotte game when, when Whirl hit the double that tied it there, the way that hit happened where the Charlotte first baseman McCabe, he kind of reaches out for it and he nearly got it. He nearly snagged it. But once it got past him and it landed, then just there was just this explosion of noise in that place. Like it was just bang. Everyone five thousand at once just kind of started screaming. And you know, I I, I saw the TV um, you know footage of that. I saw the highlight of that from television. I don't. There, there's still not a frankly appreciation with what TV got as soon as how loud that place got so instantaneously. And, and that was just a after I finished the call of that one, you know, I, I'm locked into following certain things when a play is happening, but there I just kind of, I put a pause to things for a little bit. And I just, again, let 5,000 in that stadium tell, finish off that story of that play because uh, I, you know, I've heard that place get loud. I've heard it get really loud over the years, but Saturday night and that moment followed by the Hoover hit, um, that's a lot of us I've ever heard it. And, and what was so unique about the, the world double was that it was quiet and then bang it was just all of a sudden that place it, if the roof if there was a roof on there it would have blown off like it, it was it was something else now Corey, you know ecu baseball they've had so much recent success as a program but you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell based off of twitter and maybe some other media outlets why do you think ecu baseball is so disrespected across the country um even though we've had so much success, we've hosted regionals, we've gone to super regionals, you know, Cliff Godwin is a, a sought after coach around the nation. Why do you think there's so much disrespect coming our way? It's not a power five program. It, to put it that simply, that if, if this were a power five program, we're not playing at 11 a.m. Central on Friday and Saturday here against Vanderbilt. Right. Like it just, that's, I mean, you're talking about the two biggest names in college baseball and two pretty familiar names around sports right now that will mm -hmm. be going one and two for Vanderbilt here on the mound. And they're putting them noon Eastern time on two days because they don't think ECU is a big TV draw. And so it doesn't get the respect it deserves. This is the 31st regional this program's been in. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, as Cliff Godwin said earlier this week, it's not a little league program. Like it's been yeah. around for a long time and successful for a long time. It's not the ACC. It's not the SEC. It's not the Pac-12. It's not the Big 12. That's why. That bar none. That's why. Even though over the last 10 years, this program has been one of the winningest programs in the sport. Um, it just, that that's the uphill battle that every sport in the American has had to deal with since this conference formed. And now with not just one, but two teams in the Super Regionals from this conference, I mean, all you hear about when it comes to South Florida making it is, wow, they are forcing they didn't. You don't hear about why or how. Mm -hmm. That's just the nature of being in this league. And I think 
by and large, these guys like that. I think they like the fact that, especially heading into this weekend, they don't think anybody's given them a shot to do right. this this weekend. And they will take that, and they will wear that, and they will try and prove everybody wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, I, sorry, Artie. I, I've, said oh, time, I've said time and time again on, on the podcast that, I mean, having uh, the Power Five, Group of Five conversation, when it comes to other sports, you can have that conversation. But when you talk baseball, that, that conversation to me is mute because you, you look at teams that, I mean, are historically – blue blood programs there's a lot of them that i mean they may not be on top now but i mean talking about cal state fullerton uc irvine like those are two names that come to mind dallas baptist uh i mean coastal carolina like those are some schools that come to mind that have done big things in the college world series and they're all i mean no no slight to to their conferences but they're they're not the even the, the american yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And Dallas Baptist is in the Supers this year, but you're not hearing much talk about them uh, because they're going to be playing an ACC team. And so they're getting a little bit more of the talk for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, for those who are within this sport, I think they know what they've known for a while what East Carolina is. And the fact that for two years running, East Carolina has been ranked in every poll by and large since 2019. Um, the sport knows. The sport's fully aware. It, it's why ECU got a regional host this year, not just what they did this year. It's because we've seen it the last couple of years, what this program is. But nationally speaking, casual fans, it, it's, it doesn't register yet. And that's a shame. And it's on them. There's nothing more East Carolina can do. There's nothing more the American can do. Um, and the, the sport will promote who they think this, you know, is worthy of promoting. And for them, it's Arkansas and Texas right now. And shockingly, I thought Vanderbilt would get a little bit more promotion this weekend, but that's not the case. Um, so we're going to stick them on the first game slot. But, um, you know, the, the Pirates in East Carolina, there's no more that they can do other than win this weekend to prove just what they've been for decades now in this sport. And that's one of the most consistent programs in college baseball. Yeah, and, and kind of going off that, you know, speaking on this series in you know, particular, what are the chances you give ECU of sweeping Vanderbilt? Or do you see this as being a three-game series, bar, bar none? Well, it, I think um, it's going to be a challenge to take it, the first two. I mean, yeah. uh, just uh, – I've entered this weekend saying, you just got to get one of these guys. you you got to get to one of them um, because – Vanderbilt is extremely talented. They're not terribly deep pitching wise, and they haven't needed to be because of what Rocker and Leiter have done at the start on a Friday and Saturday in their rotation. You don't need to necessarily go out there and grab both of them. Um, You get one and then a game like how Vanderbilt ended their regional plays out where it's a 14 to 11, 11 inning game because the pitching beneath those two is gettable. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's not frankly, you know, these two guys, their their ERAs are incredibly low and they're one, two in the nation in strikeouts for a reason. Um, they are not unhittable. Like you can get them. And they're two types of pitchers that by and large East Carolina has liked going after this year, power right-handers. And, and yeah, you're talking about some crazy power from these guys. Rocker mid-90s fastball with an unbelievable slider. And you got to lay off of that. Lighter with the mid to high 90s fastball that will always elevate on you. He got 
all of his strikeouts and his no hitter this year on a fastball elevated. Like that's all we got them all, but he's got a 12, six curveball and a slider to back up. He's probably more well-rounded arsenal wise than rocker is. Um, the power has been tricky to get for most teams in their careers, whether it's two or three, but you can get them. Like you can absolutely get them. Rocker has had down games this year. Lighter has had freshman type games this year. Like they're not invincible. Um, you can't go in saying we need to wipe both of them out. Start with Rocker on Friday and then see how things go. And if you can't get to Rocker, go after Lighter on Saturday. And if you get one of these guys and set up a winner take all on Sunday, it's your bullpen against their bullpen. Um, yeah, go for it because we've seen this Pirates bullpen over the year. Yeah, they'll give up runs. And we saw it in the Maryland game to close out the regional, but Vanderbilt does too. And so, you know, just. You know, all you need to do is get one of these guys and push and push it to a game three, and then anything can happen. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we were talking about it before you before you hopped on, Corey. Um, one of the things that really stands out to to me, and kind of going back to the whole eleven a.m. like start times. I mean, these are four of the best pitchers in college baseball. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about pitching matchups? These are these are four certified aces going um friday and saturday and it's to me i I think it is a three-game series but um tell me what 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 have you seen from gavin williams and carson wisenhunt um this year and and what stands out to you about them and how they match up with the vanderbilt lineup well what gavin's been has been a a four-pitch guy with control of all of them for most of this year his one down outing was last week and Charlotte has a lineup that, you know, is going to look a lot like Vanderbilt's except it's SEC talent. And so Gavin said himself, he didn't feel right. He didn't look like himself. His fastball was a little bit down in terms of velocity. Uh, And so he's going to need to pick that back up. He's going to need to be regularly mid to high nineties against this Vanderbilt team. But the key is, the slider and the curveball have to be there too and have to be there probably from the start. Usually throughout this year, he's worked the fastball the first time through the order and then the, the off speed comes in second trip through. Well, you might need to start it off right away. Um, and he tried to do that against Charlotte too last week. Um, for Wisenhunt, I think the, the key for him is not letting the whole world around him this weekend get to him because he looked rattled uh, to open up the regional against Norfolk state. Um, He's going to see a much better lineup this weekend and they will pounce on everything, even, even good pitches. They'll pounce on them and they'll make you pay for them. Uh, Carson did not look comfortable from the very first moment of that regional. Um, He has one of those games under his belt now. And so now he gets to go on the road and, and could be the, we'll see if he's the type of guy who feeds off of a road crowd. Um, that's another thing, too, that this Pirates team hasn't had a ton of yet this year, the road crowd energy. But the only other time they really had it, Carson looked great. It was all the way back in Georgia Southern in the second week of the year. That was a frenzied crowd, and he pitched maybe the best game of his life. And so, you know, I think it, it's more of a, it was more of a physical thing with Gavin. It, just, it wasn't quite as sharp as we're used to seeing against Charlotte. Um, it's a little bit of a mental thing with Carson. Uh, because nobody in that Friday game looked comfortable. Now that he's got that start under his belt, he's going to go at some point this weekend. I don't know if it'll be game one or game two, um, but 
if he can zone in a little bit, then that mid-90s fastball and that slider from the left side um, can do some things. Gotcha. Now, gotcha. now, Corey, you, uh, you flew in with the team today, and we saw the, the send-off uh, leaving Clark LeClaire, getting on the bus. Tell me, since you're, you're there, you're, from your perspective, what is the energy level like? from this ECU baseball team? I mean, they wouldn't, you know, if they thought that they were going to get knocked around this weekend, uh, they wouldn't have gotten on the plane. Like, it's a different feel than in 19, when you just kind of had a little bit of an inkling when they arrived in Louisville that something was a little bit off with the club and they burnt everything that first regional weekend. They got it done in three this time around. They had an extra day to play with and and calm down a little bit. And, you know, I I was there when the selection show was happening as well. And the brackets were announced and, you know, our regional popped up. And then we saw it was matched up with Vanderbilt. And they were ready for that. They were were pretty excited to see Vanderbilt on the other side of things. So I don't think they're coming in here phased about everything we've heard about rocker and lighter and the defending national champions that doesn't mean they'll come out and win this weekend like they're still the defending champions they're still one of the best teams in the nation they're a damn good team too and still one of the best teams in the nation even if they're not getting that talk so um like they you're talking about the probably the two pitchers that have been most analyzed around college baseball this year and for rocker it's been three years running now we know what they throw. Like it's out there every single week. Rob Friedman on Twitter is going to be all over this game Friday and Saturday. And you will see gifs and videos of these guys throughout those games. What like the, the scouting reports out it's, can you do what you know you're capable of doing? Um, when they do that, they beat anybody like anybody in the country, this team's capable of beating if they played their way, if they played their game and heading into this, when they were flying out here, they're ready to play their own game. And if, if you had to pick one to bring it home for ECU, what's more important? Is it the bullpen or is it the bats? I think it's got to be the arms for me um, because I think it's – you have to walk into this series, I think, assuming that Rocker and Lighter are going to get theirs. Like they're going to get their moments here um, and not be uh, – you know, scrambling and getting a little bit too tense because suddenly the strikeouts are racking up on you. Um, I think you need to match them on the mound. Now you're not going to match them, you know, arsenal wise, but right. outs wise, just keep, keep pace with them pitching wise. And if, if you can wear down rocker five, six innings or wear down lighter in five, six innings, and then, you know, they got three guys that kind of really go to out the bullpen. If you can dive into that, you know, you're not, you, you'd love to get them early. You'd love to get them out. Um, assume that's unlikely with what they've done this year. Wearing them down and then matching them pitch for pitch so that by the time you get to a sixth, seventh inning, it's a close ball game. It's a low-scoring ball game. I think that's what you're looking for here if you're East Carolina. you you got to be able to match them on the mound because lineup-wise, you know, I'll, I'll take East Carolina's lineup. You know, Vanderbilt is a damn good one, no question. They're best in the SEC offensively. Um, but uh, I think they know that they can do some damage here as long as they don't get too impatient. It's just the pitching's got to get them to that point where they can settle in. 
Now, we, we've seen all the names. We, we know all the superstars that both schools have. Now, we know ECU's lineup. And is there somebody that you just – I don't know. You may be like I am, and I always have kind of a gut feeling about about a player or about a pitcher. Is there is there a guy that is on this ECU baseball team that you have a gut feeling about um, breaking out this weekend? Maybe not named Connor Norby, Gavin Williams, or uh, Josh Moylan. Like, is there is there somebody that stands out to you that that can make some big noise? You know. I, I frankly would have probably gone with Moylan um, because I think he had a pretty quiet five RBI regional. Like it, it's like it, it kind of did fly a little bit under the radar, but it seemed like every big moment he was involved in. And as a true freshman, he does still kind of get a little bit overlooked. Um, yeah, I think I don't think you're looking for an answer like Thomas Francisco here either um, with what he's done this year. I just think those two guys. With the, with the two pitchers that you know you're going to see, those two guys have the opportunity to match up pretty well against Rocker and Leiter um, because those are two lefties that like power. And so you, you bring that into the fold and sit them two, three in the order. Um, I, I think they can really do some things here this weekend. It, it, you know, Agnos had big moments uh, over the regional weekend as well, certainly in that final game against Maryland. Um, keep an eye on a guy like Riley Johnson. I mean, I kind of going again with another lefty bat here. I would imagine he might get a start here to, to open up this weekend if the Pirates try and go an uber defensive lineup here. But he can catch up to some power as well, and he's good at waiting back on breaking balls. And so I, I think maybe he's a guy to kind of maybe keep an eye on to have a sneaky good weekend. Gotcha. Now, kind of switching gears a little bit, I, I want to ask you about Coach Godwin because he's been a hot topic as of late, you know, he's a hot commodity all across the nation. I know LSU is talking a lot, trying to get him. Do you see him leaving anytime soon, or do you see him being with the Pirates for the long haul? Oh, uh, you'd be surprised to know you're not the first person to ask me this in recent weeks. Once, <laughs> uh, once a couple of jobs opened up. Um, listen, he's going to get calls. Like, mm -hmm. he probably already has gotten some calls here. And yep. one job just filled today in, in Texas A&M. Um, and the, the latest report is LSU's maybe going after Pat Casey, the Oregon or, former Oregon State head coach. Um, I'm sure those would be sighs of relief for a lot of folks around Pirate Nation. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you this, uh, Cliff has done everything he has needed to do to get these types of calls here this year. Um, and, yeah, there's one more step that I think he is dying to accomplish uh, since right. he took over this program. Um, if if he's ready to take a different job, he'll take it. Um, I don't know if he's there yet. I, I, this is not something I will ever ask him um, because it's his call. <laughs> I, I, why wouldn't I dare ask? You know, I, I think it's I think it's okay to you know, you know, when he's in his seventh year here, this right. is his fifth tournament with this team and his third super regional. Um, yeah, there's one more notch on the on the ladder that that hasn't happened yet since his time here since no one's been able to do it here um he wants to be the guy to do that um whether or not he's able to this year with this team whether or not this is the crew that pushes through i don't know um and whether or not that's enough to preclude him from maybe listening to an lsu or now a tcu um 
I don't know either. Um, you know, he has evolved as a coach, as a person. Uh, he has, uh, I think, gained a lot of wider perspective on not just baseball, but life by this point. Um, but I know in his heart, he wants to be the guy that takes this program to Omaha. And, you know, he turned down Mississippi State in 2018 because that didn't happen. Um, and he was very, very emotional about that one. Um, a lot of big jobs are calling. And how many of those can you continue to turn down? That, that's his prerogative. I know a lot have called, and he's turned a lot down already. Um, and maybe he's turned down a few already this year. But um, to give you a long-winded no answer to your question, I don't know how long he's going to stick around. Only he knows yeah. that. And, and, you know, he's got to get an offer. Um, I, I imagine he might. Um, it's up to him if he thinks that's the right fit and, and, and he's ready to move on. Gotcha. Well, Corey, I, I've only got a, a couple more questions. And really, I just wanted to know, like, how is it right now in Nashville? Um, y'all got, you got any plans? Uh, you going to hit Tootsie's? Well, um, I'll say this. I'm, I'm looking out on West End Boulevard right now. It is sunny right now. It's been raining all day. And that is kind of a thing this week here, later this week. So, yeah. fingers crossed. Um, I do know some of the staff, uh, not with baseball, but uh, East U had a pretty large traveling party here coming out today. Some are already on Broadway right now. Um, so we'll see if I meander down there. I've got pretty much my prep work done for the weekend. And so I might head down, uh, head downtown here and catch a little tunes. Um, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see if Tootsie's is on the agenda. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now that you, you mentioning the, the weather that brings up another thing. And it's something that I hate about, about college baseball. Um, but probably the one thing I hate about college baseball is I, I hate the, I hate the turf. And then Vanderbilt, okay. Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt's an altar field. How, do you think that plays a big role into preparation for the Super Regional? No, I don't think so. This won't be their first rodeo on turf this year. They they played it on it in Cincinnati, and they performed well there. Um, I think they're they're more than okay with turf by this point. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't th – especially, I mean, we're talking about, you know, turf's been around now for so long and it's such a regular part of this sport. Um, even though, you know, people prefer natural grass, as do I, um, they're, they're not, I don't think, terribly concerned about, you know, right. you know they, Wichita State has turf, Cincinnati has turf, Houston had turf, and even though I didn't play games there, like, they played on it. Um, yeah, it's they're they're ready for that. They're not terribly concerned about that. In fact, you're going to get more true bounces defensively, so they're going to love that stuff. I mean, ball is ball. You either got it or you don't. So yeah, exactly. They're, they're the best defensive team through the regional. Like of the 16 remaining, they have the best defensive regional. So like they're, you know, they're they're poised. They're they they know how to handle things like this. Well, Corey, that's all I got. Artie, you got any more questions? I'm fresh out. All right, Corey. Well, you uh, you hit Broadway hard uh, for us since we're not able hit to. Hit it hard. It's a work trip, bud. It's a work trip. <laughs> like, I, st I still, I still got to be around. Like, I'm going to practice tomorrow. Like, hey, I'm, you, I'm here for business. Yeah. You can still. I, you I can, can tell you, we, we will be going to two. 
Yeah, oh yeah, we we would Artie and I would be <laughs> out till about four o'clock in the morning. So uh. <laughs> we still make it on time though. I think uh, some folks are at Jason Aldean's place right now downtown. Mm. Uh, that's the latest text I just got. Nice. Well, yeah. Good good vibes uh, from from all of us here. Um, Pirate Nation is in Nashville. I'm I'm excited to see. I know ECU sold out all of its allotment uh, for for the re- super regional. So um, it, it's it's something that's going to be exciting. I, I know a lot of pirates are making the trip down, and it, it's going to be Vanderbilt's going to be rocking this weekend. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if they're exactly ready for the the jungle that it, that's about to come down. Well, I've been to two regionals or super regionals now in my time doing this. And both times, even though it didn't go the Pirates way, the the fan bases that we were around, Texas Tech and Louisville, they Mm -hmm. both were surprised, frankly, at the size of the traveling party for East Carolina. And Vanderbilt is probably going to be here as well. And from what I heard earlier this afternoon, Vanderbilt still hasn't sold out this weekend wow. yet. And and so tickets might be now it's a, it's a smaller park. It's only 3,700. Um, but you're also talking about an 11 a.m. Friday game. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of get that one. Um, but so if you didn't get tickets for ECU and you are thinking about still maybe trying to find your way out here, keep an eye on this because tickets might be opening up here. Uh, for this weekend because from everything I've heard they're not all gone yet on the Vanderbilt side so keep an eye on that because I would love this place to be absolutely bumping with purple and gold here as would we but Corey we're gonna let we're gonna let you go um thank you again for joining us we're we're gonna uh hopefully hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again in in another week or so uh preparing to go to Omaha all right yes that you now that I will make sure I'm a friend of the podcast for <laughs> that that we will all be celebrating maybe not at Tootsie's but we'll, we'll all be celebrating with, with a nice cold beverage absolutely all right Corey well always good talking to you man uh we'll, we'll talk to you again soon appreciate it Corey. thank you gentlemen Once again, that was our conversation with the play-by-play voice of your East Carolina Pirate baseball team, Corey Glore. Artie, Corey's always a fun guy to talk to. I mean, we last time we had him on, we just kept talking for another 30, 45 minutes, and I feel like we yeah. could have done that tonight. I mean, I think, yeah. he, I think he was uh, trying to – Maybe go meet up with some of the other people from ECU that are down in Nashville. But right, he, he's in Nashville. He's trying to have a a, a little bit of a good time. Yeah, we, even we, though it's a business trip. We kind of we kind of we kind of ragged him on that for a little bit. But yeah, that <laughs> that, that that was a good conversation. I always man, everybody that we've met and talked to, and I don't know I don't know if Corey's going to listen to this or not, but out of everybody we've talked to, he has been one of the most down the down to earth level-headed mm-hmm. like cool guys that we've gotten to talk to right. and i mean honestly Corey, i know i made the joke about mike golick joining as an intern but if if you ever want to join as a third host the the the, the table's always open uh we, we we'd love to have somebody else on but that would be a good one yeah i mean just real personable always been gracious always willing to give not just 15, 20, 25, 30, 45 minutes of his time. I mean, he's, we, he's just willing to give us. We could probably talk to him for an hour. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just willing to give us his time, and he's knowledgeable. It's not like he's out here just, you know, talking to talk. He's actually giving us some real good feedback and good maybe, knowledge, and it's maybe just that's it's a good we, conversation. Maybe that's why we should offer him a spot on the podcast because he provides something that you and I don't. I'm kidding. No, nah, no, nah, speak for yourself. I'm speak kidding. For yourself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We do our best, guys. We do our we best. We, we're, this isn't, this just, isn't our career. I was about to say, just imagine if we didn't have full-time jobs. We'd be killing this. Yeah, I mean, we're already the premier podcast. We're one of the premier media outlets of East Carolina University, and we're killing it. I mean, by the way, there's some big news coming out here in a couple of weeks from your boys here at the Boneyard Podcast. We, we got some big news coming out, so we'll, uh, we'll relay that to you when we can. I think I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Artie, let's uh, – we, t- we talked to Corey a little bit about the vibe of this team. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Coach Cliff Godwin's media availability the other day um, before the Pirates left for Nashville. How's that sound? All right. So here's your head coach, Cliff Godwin, uh, he, talking about, talking about pre- preparing for the Super Regionals. First off, what's up, everyone? Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, we were blessed to be able to win the, the regional. Uh, nothing was easy, which nothing this season's been easy for us. It's been a long year, you know, with COVID, no fans, protocols, four games in three days. So just really was pumped to see the fans to be at max capacity and to see our crowd to be able to enjoy a regional championship here in Greenville. So that was awesome. and. Look, uh, we had a little practice today, light practice, and we'll get on a plane tomorrow, head to Nashville, and obviously play a great Vanderbilt opponent. And, uh, Tim Corbin is uh, a great friend, great mentor of mine. I worked there for a year, and I think if Malcolm, in fact, I think it's 0405, I was the director of baseball operations there at Vandy. Corbs uh, gave me an opportunity to do that, and uh, you know, I learned as much in one year's time about what it takes to be a division one head coach at a high level um, that year than any place I've ever been. Uh, it was like drinking out of a fire hydrant and uh, Corbs was very good to me. He's been good to me ever since that day. And I uh, just appreciate everything he's done for me. Okay, we'll go to questions for Coach Godwin. Coach, I think it was earlier this year where you, you kind of mentioned you reached out to Coach Corbin to, I guess, uh, learn how to handle maybe losing better. What do you remember about that conversation? And did you guys, have you guys kept in touch pretty regularly over the years? Uh, we have kept in touch regularly over the years. I'm laughing because uh, Corbs handles losing um, about as good as I do. So it was uh, pretty funny, the comments that we shared. And, and that stuff's personal. But, you know, he has grown up some, just like I have. And you try to, you know, put your focus on your family and, and other things to, to get your mind off of it. But uh, Corbs, uh, <laughs> he's a lot like me when it comes to losing. Uh, of course, we hate losing. Even without maybe diving too much into the personnel, but knowing him and when you were there, I mean, do they have a, a typical style you're kind of expecting on offense, defense? I mean, you kind of know, regardless of the players, what they typically kind of like to do with his style at all? 
Well, Corbs definitely doesn't need to change his signs because I didn't even know the signs when I was there as director of baseball operations. So I was too worried about other stuff. And I said, I'm not going to worry about what the signs are. I'm going to do my job and uh, try to help any way I can. So he definitely doesn't need to change any signs because I don't know him. Um, he probably will anyway because he thinks I'm probably, uh, you know, telling a fib here. But I really didn't know him when I was there. Uh, court, look, they're going to be fundamentally sound. They've got great pitching. They've, they're going to play great defense. They're going to be able to execute any situation, whether it's the small games, uh, stealing a bet, base, hitting the ball out of the park. And look, uh, you're not as consistent as Vanderbilt has been unless you have a lot of talent and you're well coached. And, and that's a credit to Corbs and his staff and what they've done over, you know, the past years that he's been there. Coach, obviously, uh, you know, Rocker and Lighter get a, a lot of headlines, but, you know, you look at their offense batting 300 in the SEC, just are they kind of the complete team, not only on the mound with those two guys, but offensively too? <laughs> they wouldn't be where they are today if they weren't a complete team. So um, I, I guess we'll have to, you know, see in person how really good they are, but they're, they're good. I mean, look, I've watched them on TV um, a few times, not that I was bearing down on them because – you never know who you're going to be matched up with down the road. So um, I'll start diving into them more tomorrow. Um, but as usual, we're going to worry about ourselves more than we worry about our opponent just because we want to go in and play our best baseball. That's the key. Cliff, will you go with Gavin Williams in game one? Uh, Al, we, we haven't discussed it yet. We're going to see how everybody continues to feel. Um, but we'll figure it out in the next day or so. Was Vanderbilt playing at Hawkins Field when you were there? Yes, uh, a lot has changed externally. Um, you know, the stuff underneath their offices and the weight room and the cages and stuff. I, I went was back there, I guess my last time was when I was at Ole Miss, and obviously I had done a lot of renovation, but Corbs uh, normally gets what he wants there, so the facility is as nice as – it, it can be. I mean, they've got the best of everything from pitching indoors, hitting indoors, weight rooms, uh, you know, and, uh, and a good fan base as well. On Gavin, whether he pitches, I guess, Friday or Saturday, I mean, pretty rare a, a talent like that could be maybe overlooked in a matchup or the underdog, I guess, in a matchup against one of those guys. I mean, I, you know, do you think that's motivation for him? I mean, do you kind of play up the, hey, you're the underdog type thing and so much attention on the, the Vanderbilt guys? Well, I mean, I, I don't think anybody gives us a snowball's chance in hell to win the Super Regional. So um, we're going to go out there and compete, see what happens. But, yes, Gavin will pitch either game one or game two. He will pitch one of those two games. Uh, Coach, to go back to uh, Gavin, I wanted to ask you, um, for him to, I guess, overcome some of the injuries that he's had and even the shortened season to have more of an uh, increased role this year, uh, how much has that uh, helped the squad getting up to this point, getting to the uh, Super Regional? Well, there's no secret if Gavin Williams was not our Friday night starter, we would not be sitting where we are today. I mean, what he has done for us and solidifying the Friday night role, he's as good of an ace as we've ever had here. I mean, going back to 19 when we had Jake Agnos and, and Jake had, had logged more innings up until that point, up until this point. But Gavin Williams has been special. I mean, every time he's gone out there, he's given us an opportunity to win. Even last weekend when he didn't have his best stuff, he's given us a chance to win against some really good opponents. And he's held his own. So I want him to go out there and be himself this weekend. 
Vanderbilt and East Carolina are two of the only three teams with multiple Golden Spike semifinalists. So how does it feel to be playing in a matchup with this much star power? We're just happy to be playing in a super regional. And, and of course, you know, Vandy's got star power. And I'm glad that a couple of our guys have been recognized for their great years. And it's a team effort. I mean, look, we none of us would be where we are today without being a great team. And, and that's the thing I'm most proud of is our guys have been selfless throughout the entire year. I guess the news of the today was the the game times and day and kind of that becoming official. What do you think about having that noon time slot again, I guess, this year? Um, it's much better this year than it was two years ago when we finished up at whatever, 1.30 a.m. on basically Tuesday morning and then had to flip around and play the first time slot of a Super Regional. So um, I thought Corpse would definitely get a night game because I figured he had a direct line to the NCAA to pick whatever time he had. So I haven't spoke to him on the phone. I just – him and I have been playing phone tag today, so I'm going to give him a hard time and say, hey, I thought you and the NCAA were so tight that you just pick your game time. Maybe he wanted noon. Maybe that's why we're playing at noon. Who knows? Okay, do you have anything else for Coach Godwin? Igo, you got something? Yeah. Coach, you mentioned kind of the the underdog mentality, I guess. Is that something you address with the team, or do you not have to address it, you know, kind of leading up to this weekend, going against the defending national champ? Igo, if I have to motivate our guys for this weekend, then uh, we're not going to win. So, I think they'll be ready to go. Um, I, I know they'll be ready to go. Look, they're excited. Look, if you're playing in a Super Regional, you're always excited. So, we're excited to face a great opponent. We know it's going to be very difficult um, to go there and win a couple games, but we're going to go out there and compete, do what we've done all year. Uh, Coach, you, you mentioned that you know so much about Vanderbilt, that history, that program, but you know, there with this pandemic over the last year, they're kind of technically the defending national champs. They're also from the SEC. Uh, I mean, you could almost pick from a, a group of things to, you know, with the uh, the lot, you know, all the, the the accomplishments that Corbin's got with this program. Uh, how do you kind of pitch this to your team? Do you do you just ignore what's you know that that Vanderbilt tradition and history, or or is it is it a merit of uh, to try to go and try to keep them from getting to Omaha? Well, that's a, a loaded question. Can I ask a bunch of questions in there? So uh, it's been a long Sorry. time. Sorry about that. No, you're good. But it's been a long time since I have worked at Vanderbilt. Um, I was at the 2019 National Championship Series because two of my former teammates here at East Carolina, uh, Eric Backage, the head coach at Michigan, and Nick Schnabel, the assistant, were, was playing Vanderbilt. And in my ties to those two guys, they're two of my best friends. And plus what Corbs has done for me, giving me an opportunity to be a director of baseball operations there and been a mentor of mine. So uh, very familiar with just kind of what goes on. But look, I, I don't know their personnel like I did when I was coaching there. Um, and then to your SEC, Vanderbilt, national champions, defending national champions, um, Look, it is what it is. I do get sick of hearing about the SEC because I've coached in the SEC twice and been to Omaha twice in the SEC program. So uh, we're not a little league program and uh, we're pretty good and uh, we'll be ready to go uh, on Friday. Cliff, you've coached a lot of great teams. Why is this team the team that can make it to Omaha? Tyler, I, I don't know if this team is the one that's going to go to Omaha. Neither does anybody on this Zoom call. So, and uh, the only person that does is the big man up top, God. Um, but what I can tell you is I, 
I'm in a better place in my life to know that our guys have competed their tails off, worked their tails off to put themselves in a situation to go there. And Eric Backage and I were talking last Monday, and for the first time it just kind of clicked to me because Eric said it. He goes, when Coach LeClaire was here and he, and he talked about Omaha all the time, Omaha wasn't the destination. It was a lifestyle. And I stepped back for a minute, and, and, and I told our team that before the regional is, look, everybody puts this, this, you know, so much emphasis on going to Omaha and playing the College World Series. Look, only eight teams go. And, um, yeah, we've knocked on the door however many times, 30, you know, 30 regionals. And, hey, it's very well talked about that we're the uh, team that's been to more regionals that's never made to Omaha. So, I, I wear that, uh, that scarlet letter with pride because we've been there a lot. And uh, I made the last out in a Super Regional in 2001. Cliff Godwin, last out, last, my last at bat of my senior year. So um, this team's not going to be, in, in my opinion, it's not going to be measured by if we make it to the College World Series or not. It's what we've done so far and the 369 team GPA and the guys we're putting out into the world, man, that, that's the thing that matters to me. So, of course, we're going to go compete. But I, I get really, you know, to be honest with you, tired of, hey, is this the team? I, I got no idea. I know this. If – they continue to allow me to coach at East Carolina. We're going to play in the College World Series at some point in time. Is it this year? I got no idea. Go, going on that, when you, as a coach and a player, the transition from a regional to a super regional, um, can you sense how different it is, either just mentally, pressure, you know, what? I don't know. What is it like from weekend to weekend as far as when you get to super regional? Does it change a whole lot or, or no? Well, as a player, I wasn't worried anything about anything, but making sure that I was ready to go and our team was ready to go, because um, I was one of the one of the captains. But as a player, it's you know, of course, you got nerves and, and you you got butterflies and stuff like that. But uh, as a player, it was just go out there and play and do what you do. And as a coach, you want to make sure your players are in the right mindset. You want them to play the same that they've played all year, not play differently. Um, but it really is it's postseason baseball, and we've been playing that for two weeks, going back to the conference tournament. You really can look at it, and as I think Al or somebody asked last week, hey, this last weekend was the first important games that we played all year. Well, we had to play a lot of important games to be in a situation to host a regional, so you can really look at the entire season as postseason baseball. Okay, are there any other questions for Coach Godwin? Okay, Coach, thank you for your time. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay, just give us a second, and we'll get one of the players up here. Okay, hey, Connor, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Okay, guys, we'll go to questions right now for Connor Norby. Connor, the, the, obviously, will be a lot of talk about how good Vanderbilt is, how good their pitchers are, that stuff leading up to this week. But how important is it to, you know, obviously respect the opponent, but also focus on you guys and, and continue to do what you all have done to this point? We look at them no differently than we look at anyone else. Um, it's just another week. We prepare the same. Um, yeah, they're good, but so are we. Um, 
you got to treat it like any other game. And we've talked um, – the model all year has been there's – you got to go through the front door to go to Omaha. So there's, you can't go through the back. How did practice just go today? You know, how have you all kind of recovered, handled since, you know, the other night? I mean, have you all kind of recovered from that? And, you know, what was practice like today? Today was a lighter day um, as far as practice goes. But, I mean, the mentality is still the same prepare for this weekend um I mean we're gonna be ready to go um but I mean it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun this weekend but right now we're just worried about today and handling our business today coach kind of uh, poke fun at you about uh social media so did you get your social media time in before y'all have to, to shut it down I did yeah my mom actually texted me about it um but I got I got all caught up so don't worry Hey, with Vanderbilt, obviously, Rocker and Lighter, um, you know, are national guys. Have you, uh, as a player, did you know about them or have you heard about them prior to this week? I mean, just as a, following the sport, did you know about them, you know, and their names at all, you know, even coming into the season or anything? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we watch college baseball all the time. Um, I mean, if you don't know about them, then you clearly aren't on social media or watch ba college baseball. Um they're good, but I mean, they can be beat. They're just they're like any other pitcher. They can be beat, um, and we're gonna go there and handle handle our business. And we're just gonna grind. We have to grind on them. And uh, I don't know what the report for it, them is yet, but um, we're gonna be ready to go, and um, we'll have everything that we need to know going in. As a competitor. Don't you get excited, though, to face the best? I mean, obviously, doesn't that uh, get your juice flowing a little bit? Absolutely. Um, it's it's going to be a really fun atmosphere to play in. Um, they're really good. But like I said before, so are we. Um, we're looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a challenge. But at this time of the year, everybody's good. Um, even in the re everyone, everyone who makes postseason baseball is really good. And especially now, it's, it's even better. Um, that's why it's so hard every year to win. Um, because of the, um, the talent level on each team and stuff like that. But like I said before, we're just, we're looking forward to it. When you look at preparing for a regional and there, there's three different teams, there's double elimination, it's, it's more of a tournament style versus this weekend. It, you know, you're one opponent, you know, three games. Is that a different kind of preparation or different game plan type of thing of, you, you know, it's just you and, and Vanderbilt and that's it? You treat it like any other weekend going into postseason baseball. Um, it's just it's no different, really. Um, they're the same. They're, you know you're going to play. You know you got to know their entire uh, roster um, from top to bottom. But as far as preparation goes, it goes. It's no different than any other weekend um, prior to postseason baseball. Hey, are there any other questions for Connor? Um, Connor, I wanted to ask you about your teammate, uh, Gavin Williams, who is 10 and 0. He has the most, he has the second most wins out of anyone in the country this year without a loss. So I wanted to ask you from your perspective, um, with this past season in mind and also this coming weekend, uh, what type of attitude and leadership does he bring to this team and how much has he been a help this year? Uh, he, he's awesome. He, luckily he is my roommate. So I'm a lot around him a little bit more than, um, other guys, but 
from the, the jumps he's made, even from last year to this year, is it's unbelievable. Um, he's got that he's got that mentality now, and he's dangerous. He's he's really good, and I'm really I'm really proud of him and what he's done. But I know he's he's going to be ready to go um, come Friday or Saturday whenever he throws. But he's he's the real deal. It's a lot of fun playing behind him. I'm glad I'm not in the box facing him every other weekend. What about you and being in the leadoff spot, especially? I mean, how important could be not that you're going to hit a home run or a try on your first at bat, but just getting some early momentum for the whole team or, you know, especially against those pitchers. Do you think that's again would be important for y'all to kind of settle in and maybe score a few runs early? I mean, I look at my job as just I try to get on base and help the team any way I can. I got I got some pretty good dudes right behind me in the lineup and one through nine we're solid as anyone else in the country and I don't look at it like I have to hit a home run or anything like that because I got guys right behind me that can pick me up and we're we're a really good team and we know it and we're start like we really believe it and we're gonna go into Nashville and um, have that chip on our shoulder. Okay, any other questions for Connor? Okay, Connor, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you, guys. We'll get Gavin on here in just a second, guys. Okay. Hey, Gavin, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. Okay, we're going to go to questions for Gavin Williams now. Gavin, you've been obviously so good this year. Uh, I think the, the regional was your first time leaving with a deficit. So how good did it feel just to see your teammates, you know, pick you up and, and, and rally after a good game? Uh, um, I didn't really worry about Just try to give my team the best chance to win, really. Given the attention, obviously, that goes toward, you know, Kumar Rocker and the Vanderbilt pitchers, uh, do you take it kind of an underdog mentality or does that motivate you, you know, assuming you'll be kind of matched up against one of those guys? It's rare that, that you're an underdog, I guess, when you're on the mound. Uh, I really don't look at it that way. I uh, just look at it as a, another baseball game. I uh, can't really worry about those type of things. Uh, more you worry about it, the worse you're going to do. How much are you looking forward to, to pitching in that environment, though? I mean, obviously, you guys have been at home uh, in, in previous postseason settings, but pitching in that environment, uh, how much are you looking forward to that? Uh, it's going to be fun, I can tell you that. Uh, I've always dreamed about pitching uh, in one of those places. I pitch at Mississippi State, so it can't be uh, too much different than that. Um, Gavin, for you uh, to this point to get here, and I've already uh, asked about you a little bit here, but being able to, I guess, overcome a you know, bit of injuries and even having the shorter season last year uh, to get to the Super Regional, uh, how rewarding is that for you? And what are just some things that you are uh, looking forward to uh, getting to this point? Um, honestly, it's, it's very rewarding, uh, especially not being able to play that much last year. Uh, it's, it's a big step, really.
Gavin, we haven't really got a chance to ask you this, but last year you, you obviously had a chance to get drafted and, you know, make some money, but you kind of bet on yourself. What led you to, you know, making that decision to come back uh, for another year at ECU and how do you think it's worked out? Uh, I think it's worked out pretty good. Um, I feel like I had a, I had people to prove that I can actually start uh, and basically go as long as I can in the whole season. Gavin Connor talked about you guys being roommates, and there's a lot of talent in that room then. But what's he like as a roommate? And you guys are both semifinalists for that big honor, the Golden Spikes Award. Um, I probably bug him a lot. Uh, I give him a lot of mess all the time. Uh, he's always getting an earful, earful from me. So I feel like I'm making him better every day. Have you guys ever faced off in the uh, intra-squad? And if so, how did that go? Um, honestly, I don't even think we've uh, faced off, really. I can't remember if we have. Okay, are there okay. any other questions for Gavin? Okay, Ryan, I see you got one. Then Ronnie after that. Coach said he wasn't sure about the rotation. He wanted to see how everybody was feeling. How are you feeling right now? And do you want the ball in game one? Uh, I'm, I'm always feeling good. Uh, I, I always want the ball, too. doesn't matter in the – if I'm going to be relieving, starting, I always want the ball. Are you motivated uh, from the regional? Like Steven said, obviously, you know, you've left one time that you left, you know, with the game still in doubt, kind of. Does that motivate you at all um, for this weekend? Uh, yeah, uh, I think everything's motivating, really. Um, always want to win. I know last weekend in the regional wasn't what I really predicted, but I can't really worry about that. Okay, anything else for Gavin this afternoon? Gavin, thank you for your time. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Sure, thank you. Well, Artie, that was – I mean, you heard it right there. We, we just heard from head coach Cliff Godwin, Gavin Williams, Connor Norby. The one thing that's – I want to get real quick. The one thing that stood out to you from – Coach Godwin. Getting to Omaha is not a destination. It's a lifestyle. I really like that. I really, really like that from him. And then, and then also him saying that, you know, I don't know if this is the team that's going to get there. I know that they put themselves in a position to get there. Um, but, you know, we're going to let all that play out the way it plays out. And if you continue to let me coach here, then I'm going to have a team that gets to the College World Series. That's what stood out to me the most in that little presser. Especially amidst everything else that's going on with, with Coach Godwin and, and rumors that are flying around. Yeah, I, that, that was something that stood out to me as well. Um, the, the thing that really got me was when he, when he talked about every game is an important game. Mm -hmm. Taking it one day at a time, that's what you got to do this weekend, is take it one day at a time. And that, that's what they're going to do. I mean, that, that's what ECU baseball is going to be doing this weekend in Nashville as they take on, I mean, the defending national champions. Mm -hmm. But I think if there's any team that the Commodores didn't want to match up with. It's us. It's probably us. It's us. It's probably us. I mean, these are two teams that honestly could play for a national championship this year. Right. And if either of them won a national championship, I don't think anybody would be surprised. But 
I digress, Artie. Let's uh, let's we're gonna send it over. We're we're about to talk to the door report. Uh, it's a, a Vanderbilt podcast, and then uh, we're after that we're gonna wrap this thing up. Uh, so here's our here's our conversation with the door report. Once again, we're uh, we're happy to be joined by two guys who uh, run run the door report covering Vanderbilt sports. We got Billy and we got Will. Billy, Will, how y'all doing out there uh, in, in Nashville? Pretty good, man. We got some bad weather. Hopefully, the rain stays away for this weekend. But uh, it's, it should be fun this weekend with the with the Pirates coming to town, no doubt. Yeah, I, I we we already talked to our play by play voice. A little bit ago, they got in today, and he was telling me it's finally the rain's kind of cleared off, and it, it's nice right now. But he he said it was pretty brutal earlier earlier in the day. Yeah, I think if uh, thankfully the field in Nashville is turf at Hawkins Field there, so it allows them to play through a little bit more rain and a little bit more bad weather, and especially leading up to the game, like what we're going to have. It should be decent weather on Saturday, and hopefully it doesn't carry too much over into Friday. So fortunately, we might actually see baseball on time, even <laughs> if that time is at 11 a.m. Yeah, and, and we we were kind of talking about that before we hopped on the podcast, and uh we we'd like to kind of get your perspective about um the the start time. I know a lot of Vanderbilt fans are upset. ECU fans were we're used to it. Um but <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to hear y'all's perspective, what y'all think about about how it kind of worked out. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were literally just talking about it before we went on, but um, you look at a lot of the, the supers across the country, it's, there's not a whole lot of juicy matchups. you got LSU-Tennessee. I know they, they, the networks love that matchup. But if you're Vanderbilt, you're sitting there saying, why are we at 11 a.m.? I mean, this is, this is tough, especially Friday during a work day. Uh, Coach Corbin's actually uh, giving, giving some of the fans – uh, these these uh, slips to give their bosses and he basically uh, is telling fans <laughs> to fill out the blanks and 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 uh, let your boss into this game because we need you because uh, he knows it's going to be tough Friday for for a lot of the the normals to get in but but yeah I mean just a tough slot yeah. um, and it's the only time during the day in, in every super and they this super uh, for it which I think is 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 terrible and then it's for both teams ECU is a great traditional baseball program and they're coming into Nashville and, and trying to upset Vandy. So the storylines are there. So I'm, I was confused just like you guys are. And I, and I, Will and I talked about it all on our last podcast too. Yeah. That, you bring up a good point. I mean, talking about the fans getting there, I mean, Vanderbilt is, I mean, not so much in other sports. I mean, not known for having a bunch of fans, but in baseball, I mean, you're always having like a raucous crowd. Now, ECU has already sold out their allotment of tickets, right? So ECU has already yeah. sold out their allotment of tickets. I mean, your, your stadium only holds, I think, about 3,500 in, in the stadium. I mean, <laughs> I, I know ECU fans yeah, are even no, trying I, to buy them out, up, from, up from Vanderbilt. Yeah. I, no, the, I, ECU, the ECU fans are going to help the capacity, though. <laughs> Yeah, when you, when you see the field, I don't know, I'm sure you looked up and saw Hawkins Field, how it's completely landlocked all around by literally streets. There's a parking lot. If you had a home or too far, you might run it into a car behind Hawkins Field and the outfield bleachers. Um, and 
to the football stadium when you walk into the football stadium and we have the green monster out there in uh, left field because uh, the basketball gym is right there. So that's elevated anyway. So they built the mini green monster out there. So yeah. it's a unique stadium in college baseball and it has capacity and those outfield bleachers weren't always there either. So that's that 3,700 number of capacities actually expanded from where mm -hmm. it was. And at this point, there's really just no room to grow unless you demolish something in the <laughs> middle of downtown Nashville, which I don't know if there's really too many spots for that. Mm, no, kind of. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I don't have anything I, right now. No, I was going to say, talking about this matchup in particular, what are some things that you guys are looking forward to the most from ECU Vandy? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, obviously, the pitching versus ECU's hitting, I think, is what Will and I talked about uh, last last podcast. I mean, some of the batting averages for the Pirates are insane. I know Connor and Orby has to be up there for the yeah. top batting average in the country. So um, it's going to be fun to watch that matchup, I think, between uh, Vanderbilt's pitching and East Carolina's hitting because Vanderbilt has, has faced a lot of really good hitting teams. And ECU, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that they're much different than some of these SEC teams that they face. Georgia Tech uh, was a good test for Vandy. We saw them in that thriller uh, of, a, of a last game regional. But I think that's it. I think that's what you're watching. Can Rocker and Leiter uh, do enough to, to win two games in that series? And, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a definitive yes because they have shown that they are able. Like, they're a beatable duo. Um, so I think that's it. And, and just kind of the experience factor. I think both these teams are somewhat young. Um, you know, East Carolina probably has the edge because Vanderbilt's one of the younger teachers. If I were to pick a couple, I, th I, think, uh, I think I'd go with the experience and then Vandy's pitching versus ECU's hitting. Yeah, Billy, and you talked about that there. But so I have a question for you guys here. Does East, East Carolina typically have – like a set one, two, three in the rotation? Like, do you guys always run out Gavin Williams game one of a series, or do you save him for game two sometimes? Well, Gavin Williams has been our Friday night starter all, all year long. Um, now, okay. with, with the regional last week, we flipped it a little bit. Um, I mean, our first game was against Norfolk State. It, it, it was one, it's, I'm not saying that they're not a good opponent, but it, it wasn't a, an opponent we were – too worried about. Worried so about, yeah. 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 You throw Carson Wisenhunt out there, who, I mean, he, he's a freshman. I mean, you're talking about these guys, like, combined have, like, over or damn near, like, 500 strikeouts, the four guys. Gavin Williams, mm -hmm. Carson Wisenhunt, and then Leiter and Rocker. I mean, of course, Leiter and Rocker both lead the college college baseball with, with strikeouts. But, um, I mean, usually Gavin Williams is your is your Friday night guy. And then Saturday, okay. Saturday you're going to go with Carson Wisenhunt. And then usually, usually on Sunday, see, in conference play, the American Athletic Conference, we, we had four-game series in, in conference mm. play. And we didn't, do a, we didn't have a midweek game. We, we okay. weren't able to have a okay. midweek game. So That's tough. It was tough. So, I mean, you've got uh, – Eastview has a very deep bullpen. A guy that – I don't know if you've heard about him yet. A guy like Cam Colmore. Is I mean, he's gonna he's gonna do some big things, and ECU's gonna ride him. I mean, out of the bullpen, and you'll see some funny stuff coming from him. He, he'll <laughs> throw it from different like three or four different arm slots. He could throw every pitch from a different oh, arm God. slot. So I mean, and and he's got some power behind it. I mean, Gavin Williams, he can he can run it up ninety five, ninety six, and if he, he's he's got a lot like he's a lot like lighter, and in the fact that he can really throw a heavy fastball. And that, that, that's the one thing, like, I, I've been trying to get uh, 
pitching ninja to be like, hey, like, look at this guy. Like, let's let's not focus on these yeah. two guys so much. Focus on this guy. But hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll let <laughs> him show all all the scouting scouting reports on your guys and, and keep our guys hidden a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. what I was gonna hit on right there. Was I was looking forward to seeing. I didn't know if uh, Gavin Williams would be going up against Lighter or Rocker in that first game game because Vanderbilt is extremely is extremely set even when they played in the regionals they ran yeah. out there with Rocker against Presbyterian so that game won um, because I, I think the difference between the starting pitcher for the starting pitching and Gavin Williams he is extremely comparable to Leiter and Rocker I mean legitimately when you look at yeah. statistics regardless of anything he's absolutely dominant but when you go to that second guy, I don't think that the next guy in East, in ECU and and granted I haven't watched watched the games, but I don't think I think it's a notch down. So game one in this series is probably more key than in any other of these regionals that we see around here because you're running best on best possibly if they do bring out Gavin Williams first rocker and that's one that ECU has to win because um, I just don't see Vanderbilt you know the bats not popping off in in that second or third game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, sorry, my dog's like hopping up here trying to get pets. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Carson Wisenhunt, I mean, like I said, he's a freshman, just like Leiter, but he doesn't he doesn't have that notoriety that that the pitchers from Vanderbilt have. But I mean, this is still a guy. I mean, I I, I don't I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but I don't think he's lost a game all year. I think we're like seven and zero in games he started. Same thing with. Same thing with Gavin Williams. We're like 10-0 in games he started. And he, he punches out 9-10 guys every single game. I mean, it, we're, we're talking about guys that can – I mean, and then our third, our third pitcher, I mean, he honestly started out the season as our Friday night guy, had a down year. I'm, I'm hoping he can pull it back out. Jake Kuchmaner, he's one of the only 27 pitchers of all time to throw a perfect game. So, I mean, mm. and, and he, he's – still out there you might see him on Sunday You'll, you might see a guy like Tyler Smith I mean so we have, we have some six-year guys that I mean with COVID that have really spent some time in this program and, and really I mean we're talking about 23 24 year old guys that are that are pumping gas and I, I kind of got a two-part question for the, for the both of you guys who are some can't miss studs uh, on the Vandy side and then who are some sleepers on the Vandy side that we need to be watching out for Billy, I'll yeah. let you go first on this, and then and then I'll go rough. You finish yeah, we'll, up. Just we'll get usually, over. Will usually sends it to me for the baseball. He's all basketball. I'll no, no, no. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on baseball this year, man. This that <laughs> was last year. This is a new year. I'll, I'll take it, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're all over the place, so like any other Vandy team. Uh, I think top of the lineup. You look at Enrique Bradfield Jr. He leads the country in stolen bases. I think he's at 48 right now, um, wow. if I'm not mistaken. So he's just if he gets on first. There's a great good chance he's at third in, in like five six pitches just because of how fast he is. He's one of the fastest seen much you know in the sport of baseball. So Enrique Bradfield at the top of the lineup. Dom Keegan is another guy uh, plays first base. He's a power guy. He's he played amazing in the regional and he'll hit it. He can hit out of the park you know at any time and he's a gap player too. He's just a great overall hitter. Uh, I mean you know Rocker and Lighter, but another guy offensively who started to step up a little bit, especially in the regional, is Jason Gonzalez. Usually plays um, plays third base. He hit a bomb. I th it was the furthest ball I, I think I've ever hit seen hit it over the left field bleachers uh, and and very close to the batter's eye. So 
Vanderbilt, they, they showed some, some, some promise in their bats in the regional. So I would say Bradfield, he, and he's a great defensive player too. Um, so there's, there's really nothing to, to, to not like about him. He's, he's, he's pretty much a five-tool guy. Y'all are going to – you know, I know y'all are playing Vandy, but he's a fun guy to watch even if you're just watching the game. Uh, a sleeper, I think, would have to be Javier Vaz. I don't know if, if you'd agree, Will, but he, he had a great catch in left field. He's been a utility type of guy. Uh, he transferred over from LSUE. Um, uh, I think it's a, a, a Juco. Uh, it's, you know, it's down there in Louisiana. But, he, you know, they won a national championship there transferred to Vandy for his fifth year um, and he stepped up in some big moments he had a, a you know a couple of RBIs in the regional in a big spot and he had a great catch um, in, in left field diving catch to uh, to end the inning and, and save a couple of runs so uh, I'd say Javier Vaz is a sleeper and and Vandy's had a lot of those guys that have kind of stepped up and found a way to, to 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 have to create a spark plug for this team so I would say Vaz there is a sleeper and I mean, Bradfield, you can't go wrong with him. I don't know if you have the same answers there, Will. Yeah, Bradfield and, and Dominique Keegan were the two uh, of the three that I was going to bring up as can't-miss guys. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say the pitching staff because those are bats we've already talked about. Oh, that. really? Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, just a little bit, uh, <laughs> is Troy um, has been absolutely Troy on Lanier's, fire at yeah. the plate. Yeah, he got, he got put into the – inserted into the lineup when they had to move around some guys due to injuries. And then the other can't miss guy is going to be the X factor, in my opinion, of this whole series, Carter Young. Um, yeah. He's the shortstop there that leads leads the team in home runs with 15 on the year. He actually dislocated his shoulder, sliding into second. Um, not too long ago, he, his uh, regional play was his first um, full yeah. series back, and he clearly wasn't himself. He's a switch hitter, so he actually was able to that on the side that least affected that dislocated shoulder. If he's able to to be about 90% of himself, um, then that lineup presents a lot more problems than it does um, with him in the condition that he was previously. And then Nick Maldonado is probably, I, I wouldn't say he's a sleeper because he's a heavily utilized guy out of the bullpen, um, kind of transitioned into that save or, or uh, closing pitcher role, um, getting those saves at the end of games. Um, he has a 2.5 ERA, and I don't feel like he gets a lot of a lot of attention just because of the star names um, in that starting pitching rotation. Um, but those are my guys uh, that that I would keep an eye out for. With Maldonado being a guy to guy to keep an eye on when he comes out in the late innings. Got you. So, <clears throat> looking at it now, we we talked about some guys from ECU, and I, I'm hoping that y'all y'all. I know y'all haven't really watched any ECU games. or probably haven't watched many ECU games. If you have, are there any guys that looking at our roster that have stood out to you outside of Connor Norby? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I actually have the stats here. I know Thomas Francisco is a guy that is pretty similar to Norby. That's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, 11 <laughs> bombs. He's hitting 360 on the year. And if you hit 360 in any conference of college baseball, you're a mm -hmm. legit player. Um, so, I, you know, I expect him to come in with some offense. And Ben Newton, too, uh, is a guy who's hitting through 29. I see six home runs. Um, and, and I've realized that East Carolina is a huge RBI team. Their numbers, I mean, Seth Cadell, 47. Zach, 43. Worrell has 33. Norby, of course, 51. Um, and they have to – I mean, they got to lead the conference in RBIs. So, they've, they've seemed to be a little bit more clutch in those situations than Vandy has uh, in a lot of spots. Vandy has actually struggled uh, in that category. A lot of times they, they just haven't, you know, been able to, they, they, they did in the regional, you know, they showed a lot more in the regional, but throughout the season, there were a lot of different moments where they didn't, 
they didn't quite play to, to their potential and, and bring the guys in that they should. So uh, Norby, Francisco, um, and of course, Newton there. I don't know if you guys have any sleepers. Like you said, I haven't watched really any ECU games. So um, I guess I'll shoot the same question over to y'all. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I actually had a couple there okay, when, I, yeah. when I was breezing through the stats. I don't have any in particular guys um, because obviously I, I was glancing at the stats and just looking at the team throughout the year. And a few things that jumped out is it's hard to compare a lot of these teams just because we didn't see as much out of conference play. Like you said, they didn't yeah. have the midweek games like usual for ECU. So we don't have a lot to compare. We don't know if conferences are up. Are they down? Is the SEC as good as everybody says it is? Um, and the regionals were our first time to really see that. And when I look at ECU and their strikeout number, what they've done this year with Gavin Williams um, and the rest of that staff, their numbers are extremely high. Um, and, and even when you look at Rocker and Lighter, they're not up at that level. I yeah. would I would like to see at the beginning, not necessarily like, but expect to see a lot of contact, whether or not that's good contact um, from the Vanderbilt uh, batting lineup. I would think that they're going to be making a lot of a lot of contact on these pitchers that are used to having those put away pitches um, and able to strike out guys where um, against this Vanderbilt lineup. I think that's going to be a defensive swing that's able to put the ball in play really test those guys because against the Georgia Tech um, defense in game two of the Vanderbilt Regional, Vanderbilt actually uh, had no earned runs against the pitcher. They start, it was all from errors on their defensive side of the ball. So Vanderbilt puts the ball in play. Um, so to that and those defend, uh, that defense is really going to be tested for ECU. Yeah, the, the thing with ECU is ECU has honestly and did throughout the whole regional in all the regionals, out of every team in, that played in a regional, the 64 teams, ECU had the best defensive numbers out of any team in the in the regionals. Um, so wow. that that that's something that excites me. Um, you, you don't see many errors from this ECU baseball team. It, it's very clean. It, it's and I mean we play on we play on a grass field, and we talked about this with our play by play friend Corey Glore, friend of the podcast. When, when we talk to him, uh, one of the questions I, I hate when we play on turf. I, I just hate, I hate it. But, <laughs> Get used to it because you're going to see it this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I asked him, I said, do you think that plays any, any, does that play an impact or does that have an impact on it? And I mean, honestly, I didn't think about it the way that he said it. You're going to have a lot, a lot of better uh, bounces. You're, you're not going to yeah. have a stray rock. You're not going to have, a uh, uh, longer cut grass or whatever yeah having weird bounces mm -hmm. coming up so he, he said it's going to be a, a sh sure um bounce than, than what we're used to seeing so I'm, I'm hoping that 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 will also play into ecu's favor um but yeah ecu defensively one, one of the best teams in the country um yeah no that is it, it solid bounce or anything but it comes in hot and that is all thrown out the window with with any sort of uh, rain in yeah, the forecast when the rain hits it's a oh, huge it's, advantage it's, it's a big it's advantage a to Vanderbilt faster. and it runs so fast and how the guys do their slides you see guys slide past bases um, before these yeah. turf fields came uh, became more common they would literally slide just over the bag and get tagged um, on plays consistently so if they're used to playing on that grass field um, and I expect a lot of contact, it's going to be a real test of that defense, which yeah. is a damn good defense. So um, we'll see how that goes. So that's another thing to watch good on good um, in this game when uh, at 11. 
Now, obviously, you, you guys think that Vanny's going to win this series. We think EC is going to win this series. Do you <laughs> see it? Do you see it going to three? Or do you think Vanny's going to sweep? Already, I, I honestly think it could go to three. I, because, like I said, Rocker and Lighter are beatable. Now, we talk about them being the best pitchers in the nation, and they both have over two ERAs. I think, I mean, one of them almost might have an over two and a half ERA. Um, so, yes, they're, they're still the two best pitchers in the nation, but they are beatable. Um, and East Carolina with that offense, you never know what can happen in, in the postseason. So um, I think it could. I really do. And that, that would be bad news for Vandy because they, <laughs> Patrick Riley has not played. Our game three starter has not pitched well, especially early in games. He's struggled with control, and he hasn't been, you know, the guy that, that Corbin had kind of expected him to be. Um, so to answer your question, I think it very well could. Yeah, I, I that was the opinion that I was going to give, and now I'll give the other opinion that I've given thought since Billy hit on every single talking point that I was uh, <laughs> that I would think about giving for for that that side of it. Um, I see it being a sweep, um, okay. and that is not. And if Gavin Williams comes out and he's absolutely unhittable, or if Rocker or Lighter are off their game, then then it's on Billy's Billy's prediction, which is the one <laughs> I actually see more happening. Is it coming down to that game three? But on the other side, which is about 45% because I'm super split, I can see ECU's pitchers coming out, pitching the same pitches, because even in the regional, the, the only larger conference school that was in Maryland, and I'm not putting anything against conferences, but the SEC was outstanding this year, and those pitching numbers are just different um, in those different conferences. It's not a slight necessarily but it just is what it is. Um, and, and those put away fastballs running up there at 92, 93, don't get a lot of contact in the AAC. They will on Friday and Saturday. And you put in Kumar Rocker and Leiter coming out in these big game situations. When we saw Rocker last time, he pitched a no hitter against Duke. Um, and then you look at the other side of it, <clears throat> excuse me, playing on this field that ECU is familiar with or, or unfamiliar with playing, playing on turf, which we already touched on. So um, I, it's going to be an interesting series to watch. There's a lot of things on both sides that are kind of streaky up and down. Um, but the sweep there is my prediction. I'll put a stamp on it. The, the one thing I'll, I will say, and up until – so we swept Charlotte in, in the regular season. And then we beat them, we beat them on uh, Saturday, came back. Oh, did we lose them? I think we might have lost Billy there. Uh, it's all good. But the one thing I'll say is Gavin Williams, pitching-wise, there's – outside of the Charlotte game, he had given up more than two runs in a game once all season. <laughs> so, Gavin Williams, I mean, I, I think that – I think I think that there's a little more credit that is deserved. Um, but I, I am – I'm going to be intrigued by how this series plays out. Um yeah, I, I'm. It's. I think it's going to be a good series. I don't think ECU's going in there. And Coach Godwin said this. Like, Coach Godwin said that we're not going in there like scared of Vanderbilt, and we shouldn't be. We we're going in there because we know we can be there, and we're supposed to be there. Yeah, I mean, y'all have been to one call or, or NCAA tournament appearances, um, and you have experience. I think it's six super regional appearances, um, but you do have the most extended or, or the most tournament appearances without an appearance in in Omaha. Um, and it, yeah, and at some point that that becomes a, a cloud over a team, and at some point a team's going to break through. I mean, it, at some point it is going to happen. I mean, y'all have had great teams that have come in. This is a great team that is coming in because when I say a two zero sweep. 
that makes it sound like I don't expect these games to be close. I think these games are going to go down to the wire right. because you do have such good pitching. You do have power on both sides. Both teams have three guys in double-digit home runs. So it, they're going to be tight games, and that's that's what I expect is a tight series. Whether or not that goes to a game three, whether or not that's a sweep, uh, then that's what's up in the air. But I do expect every game to be, be tight. Yeah, and I, I agree. You know, we, we had our play-by-play play on earlier, Corey Galore, and I agree with him. It's going to be up to our bullpen. I think there's going to be a lot of runs scored in this series. I think the bats are going to be swinging. I don't think offense is going to be a problem for either side, to be honest with you. I think it's really going to come down to our pitching if we really want to win this series. So I, I do kind of agree. It's going to really come up to the bullpen. Yeah, I, I, think, I think if we can get in, if, if we can – and I, I'm kind of regurgitating, so our listeners have already heard – this from from front of the podcast Corey Glore. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I I think if we could get deep into the game and it be close, if we're down one run in the sixth inning, seventh inning, and Rocker comes out or Lighter comes out, I, I I think that that changes the whole ball game completely. I think our depth in in the bullpen because we have we have probably about ten guys down there that can come out and. They're not going to be flamethrowers, but they they can they can get guys out, and uh, they've they've got some uh, they've got they've got some swag to them too. Um, <laughs> a guy like Sam Bridges, um, a guy like uh, like I said, Cam Colmore coming in. That I mean, they they just they walk they walk differently than than most than most bullpen guys. Yeah, I, I agree actually with you on that because you, on the Vanderbilt side, when Vanderbilt gets to their bullpen, you know, that Maldonado has been their best guy. But after Maldonado, you got a guy like Chris McIlvain who's really young and, and hasn't played in a, in a super regional. And, and, you know, he got some experience in the regional. But Vanderbilt's bullpen, kind of like their game three starter, have not been the most reliable. Um, and, and, and I say that because we've seen it. We've seen it all year where Van, once Rocker and Leiter are done – some the teams have been able to come back that they played against in East Carolina with those bats, you never know. So in East Carolina and Georgia Tech, are, I think are similar. East Carolina is, I think, is a better baseball team. Uh, Tech could really hit the ball, but I think Vanderbilt got some good practice um, in, in what they might see against Tech or the Pirates rather with, with Georgia Tech. So um, again, similar to to uh, to what we saw against Tech, Vanderbilt's bullpen has struggled at times, uh, and and it could be a battle of the bullpens. Who knows? It could come down yep. to that. Uh, whoever whoever plays with the better bullpen, that that could be it. Gotcha. So um, we'll we'll start wrapping it up here here in a second. I have I just have one more question for y'all. Really, um, there's a lot of ECU fans coming into town this weekend. I know they're gonna. There's a like a parking deck overlooking like right field, I believe. I know, I know that apparently there's doing they're doing some kind of tailgate out there um, before the game, so that that'll be good. Where else? Seeing as y'all are the the Nashville natives, where else should ECU fans visit since they're going to be listening to this on their way to Nashville? Well, I mean, I would hit downtown's like ten minutes away. Um, on a on a on a tough night, it might be a little bit longer because of the traffic. Uh, but if you guys are able to get a win, head downtown, stop by Hattie B's. They got probably the best hot chicken in town. You could argue with Prince's hot chicken, so you can't go wrong with either of those. Uh, and then Martin's Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, you got, you got some barbecue there, too, so you can pick and choose uh, depending on how long they're there. So I'd go Martin's Barbecue with barbecue. Um, and then why not hit the honky-tonks? Uh, there's 
plenty to choose from. And, and uh, Will and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's plenty of, plenty of uh, places to go. Billy hit on quite a few of them there, of some of the more. But if you're looking to watch a game on Broadway, the Nashville Sporting Club um, is a good place. If you type it into GPS, it's actually Paradise Park. Um, because that's what it used to be yeah. called back when Nashville was actually affordable and you could get a cheap pitcher of beer. Uh, because just expect, and one thing, if you're traveling in, you're wanting to go get some drinks downtown. Um, Don't buy it, drinks downtown. <laughs> get, get your drinks in before you head downtown. Before you go downtown. That's smart. Yes, yes. And, and maybe buy one. That, that's, that, that'll be the cheapest option. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, guys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we, we wish you all both uh, the best of luck. This weekend, uh, right now we're friends of the pod. Y'all are friends of the podcast, but come Friday at eleven Central Time, twelve o'clock Eastern Time. Go Pirates, baby! Roll damn Pirates! <laughs> hey, go Doors, guys! That's all I gotta say. Thanks, thanks for having us on. Yeah, guys. absolutely. Enjoy it. Y'all have a good one. Be safe. You too. Once again, that was our conversation with the Door Report. Um, already, that that was a fun conversation with. Billy and William, uh, I, I want to real quick. We're going to start wrapping this thing up. Your prediction this weekend? What what's going to happen? Yeah, you know, as as much as I would love to see a sweep of the defending national champion, I do not believe that that is going to happen. I think this is going three. No matter who wins, I think this is going three games. Um, I do believe that we pulled this off. You know, like, like, like we said, this team feels different. Nobody on that campus, nobody around the fan base, nobody on that team feels like we don't deserve or belong to be there. And so I truly feel like ECU, this is a business trip. We're going to win and nothing less than that. The only thing we're going to Nashville to do is to win a series and get to the College World Series. We're not happy to be there. We just want to go ahead and take care of business. So This is our I, job. Right, it's a job. We're not. This ain't. This ain't excitement. We just. We we there to. We there to pull off something and then keep it moving. So, Great I think time. we do pull off this series. Um, but I got us winning in three. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. And one you. of these games, I'm gonna say one of these games will be a walk off. You'll see a walk off in one of these three. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know about who, but you'll see a walk off in one of them. Um, I, I was gonna say I think, I think it does go three. I think the first two games are going to be really close. I think the third game is going to be really close. It's going to be a really good weekend series. Guys, I'm excited for it. There's going to be a lot of good baseball to watch this weekend. Um, I want to say ECU in three just because I'm a homer. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that if you, if you want to win the national championship, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And We got it right now. This is it <laughs> right here. We got it right now. Yep. If – if ECU wins this series, going into Omaha, you got to go in having the biggest cojones between your legs because no. – no, because here's what I'm going to say. And it's not about feeling on top of the world, but you got to know that you got the best. You got the right. best draw in the Super Regional. I mean, hell, Arkansas almost didn't make it out of their regional. Right. So you're going to have – I mean, if you, if you win this thing – you're talking about two teams that swept their swept their regionals. If you win this thing, you I mean that 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 tells me a lot. If you whoever wins this one is going to probably go far in Omaha. 
and and, and, and I so I, I think ECU in three that that's a that's a homer pick, but yeah. I also I also do believe it. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, look, you know, beating Vandy is phenomenal. Getting to a College Road Series, something that we've never done before, phenomenal. But this team knows we got bigger fish to fry, and there's a lot of good teams that are going to be there at the end. So, you know, just because we beat Vandy, I don't want Pirate Nation to be like, oh, my God, we finally got there. We're, we're the champions. No, 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 no. We got, we got things to do. We're trying to bring banners home. That's we're trying to bring one. rings home. That you know, is we, step we're, we're, one. Trying to, we're trying to bring a trophy home. So, you know, beating Vandy is just getting the job done. That's step one. But, Artie, real quick, you got to walk the plank? Ooh. Oh, I, I, got, I, got, I got one for let you. Me, let me marinate. Go, go ahead and do yours. Go ahead and do yours. Let me I, marinate. I'm going to switch mine up. I'm going to take one that, honestly, you should have taken. Okay. Kevin Garnett. What did KG do? Kevin Garnett. How, lo- how long did he play for Boston? Uh, six, seven, eight years. Between what? six and eight years. All right, but still, getting upset. You want to talk – Kevin Garnett once literally whispered in Tim Duncan's ear on Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, the year after his mom died. <laughs> that's not funny. That's not be, funny, but that's gangster. And he's going to be pissed off that Kyrie stepped on Lucky's face when – Basketball players running up and down the court, step on the. Of course, he's 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 a he's a he's a Celtic great. Of course, he's going to be upset about that. But I get I get he won a championship in Boston. I I get it, I get it. But you are talking about one of the most disrespectful athletes ever to play the game. Yes, getting upset over someone. Yes, yes. KG is the kind of guy that would make love to your mother and send the video to you. It's one of those things where it's. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Like it's one of those things <laughs> where you can't be the biggest asshole in all of sports, like almost of all time. Like we're talking, he was coming for throats when he was out. Yeah, on the, but I mean, on the court, he was a lovable asshole, though. You know, it's it's different to be it, just an asshole and to be a lovable it, asshole. It, it's not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not hating on on his style of play all i'm saying is is he can't get mad when kyrie who has had stuff thrown at him goes and steps on the logo after the game you can't be mad about that you can't be mad about that if if you're going to do the things that kevin garnett has done in his career you can't be mad about that that is where i that's that's my thing you can't have it both ways this isn't Burger King, or you can't have it your way. I, I see where you're coming from. I do see so where you're coming from. Kevin Garnett walked but the damn plank. I also see where KG's coming from. I mean, he's KG. He's gonna say something I, about I, it. He's KG. I get it. I get it. Hey, my my pin tweet on Twitter still is in this house. We disrespect Bryce Harper, and that's I I hate <laughs> Bryce Harper. I absolutely hate <laughs> Bryce Harper. And the reason I hate Bryce Harper is when he drug his foot through the A behind home plate. I hate that. I hated that. I hate him for it. But I'm also I wasn't also the biggest asshole in MLB baseball. So KG, walk the damn plank. You know, I just started this last minute. 
And of course you did. I think <laughs> I think my walk the plank is probably gonna be this atrocious uh bullshit, excuse my Francois, boxing match that we had between Floyd Mayweather <laughs> and Logan Paul this past weekend. Look, this if man literally you are said, listening this man literally said I'm a I'm the best legalized bank robber of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he is. It, it literally go, it literally goes Floyd Mayweather and then the IRS. Like no, like 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 for real. Like like on like Floyd Mayweather is probably a billionaire at this point. And he's done it twice now. He's done he's it probably twice. a billionaire at this point. And for what? Because what? he hasn't he hasn't been a legitimate boxer in like six years, even longer than that. To be he's honest probably, with you, probably pushing a decade. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna lie. I paid for the McGregor fight. That that was just that was too big of a fight not to get. I had to watch it. I had to see McGregor against Mayweather, and it was actually entertaining. McGregor went seven rounds with him. He landed some nice shots. He looked like a legitimate boxer. I, I did I thought, not, however, go ahead. I thought that first round, McGregor Mayweather. That first round, I was like, damn, McGregor might win this thing. That no, he looked good. Like he looked round, really like, good. Oh, shit. Yeah, like that was a legit fight. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm actually happy I paid the $75 or whatever I paid to, to see this fight. I think we were in college at the time that fight we happened, by the way. Um, but this fight between Mayweather and Logan Paul, and if you pay for this fight, shame on you. Walk shame on point. you. Shame on you. Shame on you. You, you should have watched it. Illegally you should have like done did. it illegally. Exactly. Thank you. You should have done it illegally like half of America and the rest of the world. Shame on you for giving any of these two people money. This was a terrible fight. I don't think it was terrible for boxing because, yes, it gave them notoriety. Yes, it gave them, you know, some 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 fans and some spotlight. But, look, Logan Paul, come on. He's he's not a boxer, for one, not legitimate. His brother, Jake, they're trying to, they're trying to hype him up as a legit boxer. He's not. All right? Floyd Mayweather – is going to go down as a top five great boxer of all time. And even in a terrible fight, he was outclassing that fight the entire time. You could tell that Floyd was letting up. He was letting Logan stay into the fight. He was hugging him. He was holding him just so they could get their money and let it go a full eight rounds. I think it was eight rounds that they did. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible fight. And if you pay for this fight, shame on you and walk the damn plank. Artie, the one thing I'll say is, I did my me and my wife, we danced better at our wedding than they danced <laughs> in that fight. It was it was terrible. It was absolutely not entertaining at all. Yeah. And they both got paid millions. I mean mega millions. And I, I think this for is an exhibition. Really, I think this is really a double walk the point. Like you're gonna hit you're gonna kill two birds with one stone on this one. Mm. If you're telling both of them to walk the damn plank because it was a, it was a terrible fight, right? A, but also, if you paid to watch this, yes, walk, What's wrong with you? Like honestly, the best the best fight out there was probably the uh, Chad Ochocinco. Yeah, I mean, he lasted a few rounds. He looked good. He looked so, good, even though he got knocked down. He looked good. But I mean, look, you are a hardworking American. Don't give these people your money. Don't do that. Just watch it illegally. I mean, the guy, the, you literally watched a YouTube star just get punched in the face by a boxer. <laughs> like, that's what you watched. Congratulations. But that's enough for Walk the Plank. Artie, 
let's start wrapping this thing up. It, we've been we've been talking for a, lo a long time now. We're going on. I mean, we're going on probably about an hour and a half, probably pushing two hours. Yeah. At this point, um, you got any final thoughts? Um, nah. I think this was a good episode. I like to talk. Uh, let's go ECU baseball, baby. Let's go win the damn thing. That's all I got to say. Let's go win it. Roll damn pirates. We out. Deuce. Peace.